0: From Rixie, this is Frameform, a show about movies, moving, and everything in between. I'm Hannah Weber, I'm Jen Ray, and I'm Claire Schweitzer. Hey everyone, it's Jen Ray. This panel discussion was recorded in August 2019 at an event co-presented by Vancouver International Tap Dance Festival and Cascadia Dance and Cinema Festival. This was produced in association with Vancouver Tap Dance Society and Screen Dance Forum. The conversation on tap dance and media involved Andrew Nemmer, Max Pollack, Demi Remick, Danny Nielsen, and was facilitated by me, Jen Ray, Frameform co-host and Dance Cinema Festival founder and producer. We had a conversation on how media and technology are inextricably linked to our experiences as dancers and humans, no matter when or where we are. This was a truly funny, enlightening, and dynamic conversation. Enjoy.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for being here. Um, Tonight is the second night, uh, second event in the Vancouver International Tap Dance Festival, produced by the Vancouver Tap Dance Society. Yeah, it's only day two. (laughs) Uh, Before we begin, uh, we'd like to acknowledge that we're on the unceded and traditional territories of the Squamish, Musqueam, and Tsleil-Waututh peoples. Um, Part of that honoring is being able to talk about where we come from and what it is that we do in that light. Uh, so I'm very happy to welcome these phenomenal artists and Jen Ray from Screen Dance Forum, who's gonna be moderating this panel discussion.
0: Hi everyone, I'm Jen Ray. You might have met me yesterday, or maybe we know each other from before. Um, I'm born and raised in Vancouver. I started my company, Dance Cinema, out of a seeing a need to connect the two forms and languages and uh, educate audiences both on the dance side and the film side. Uh, started making films and moved into more festival production. So my festival, Cascadia Dance and Cinema Festival, happens here in Vancouver. Um, I moved to the States when I married a tap dancer. So I also have a festival in Washington, D.C. and we co-direct a youth tap dance company together called the Jam Youth Project. So um, with that, we have a lot of experience with media and kind of the younger generation of tap dancers. And, you know, there's been some celebration, some pushback. And I think that it's really interesting. We have people from a diverse You know, backgrounds here, you know, based in different cities, different countries, um, different relationships to how you use media, how you, uh, whether you're a performer, an educator. So today's topic is really broad, tap dance and media. You know, we're all consumers and producers of media. It's integrating our lives in a way that it's probably never going to go away. So it's something that it's useful to pause and, and reflect on how, especially in art forms such as tap dance, which has such a rich history And I find that tap dancers are very concerned with the integrity of their art form in a way that other styles of dance maybe are not so much concerned with. You know, what are the roots? Um, How are you evolving it? Is it, you know, respectful or not? Um, So I'm sure we probably have four very different opinions here, maybe not, on what that means. So that's my intro. Let's go uh, Danny, then Max, then Demi, then Andrew, and then we'll start our conversation from there. So maybe introduce, you know, who you are, where you're based, even if people know, um, and something about you know where your position is within the tap community, or at least how you maybe see it, and also your relationship with how you uh, experience tap dance and media.
2: Uh, do I have to go first? <laughs> <laughs> we can, we can,
3: you don't have to. You don't have to. Danny,
2: I mean, I'd rather not go first. Okay, all right, I'll take okay. it or whatever.
4: <laughs> who wants to go? I'll give it a shot. I guess. <laughs> That's my girl. Okay, <laughs> you got this. Um, I'll go first. <laughs> my name is Demi. Um, I'm from New Hampshire originally, and I live currently in New York, in Queens. And I am of I think the younger generation. And I grew up um, learning tap dance through the festival circuits and working privately with people I sought out. And I worked with Michelle Dorrance um, for a while and her company went to college, studied modern and ballet, left tap dance for a bit, came back, Um, and because of Sarah Reich, I got to work with postmodern jukebox, and I still do, and that's, and I've been teaching at festivals, and uh, working with Caleb Teicher and company um, a lot, as he's growing very quickly, and a few, like, personal choreographic endeavors, so. And that's my life, and the other question was um, And uh, how
0: about media? What's your relationship with tap dance and media?
4: Um I think I was of the generation that didn't have it, didn't have it, and then um completely had all the access. but there's another generation below me that has always had the access. Mm-hmm. So I think I've seen both, which is a little lucky of me just to be just to have been born a little just to have seen both sides because I think I see like younger dancers completely in it and never didn't live without it but the band i dance with is a media-based band and like part of that job is to encourage videoing during our show and encourage live feeds and live posting and it's terrifying and i don't completely love it it's terrifying to know that everything you do at any moment can't just be something you wanted to try that night that it could live on forever for people to see and that's kind of a scary thing that is encouraged with Postmodern jukebox. so. that's Well, you're awesome. still doing great. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I like mm-hmm. it, too. It's part of, like, the great thing about the band, and also, like, whoa. It's mm-hmm. kind of scary, but, yeah. You'll be stronger. More me. to come. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Amazing. <laughs> I uh, go. Um, so, I guess I'm of the... Am I okay? Older generation now.
4: I don't know. Yeah. You're not okay. I didn't really know what to say. Okay, Are we I don't know about it that you. way?
1: Gosh, man, that feels really Nobody weird. Um, so, Max, I remember taking class with Savion with Max mm-hmm. in Broadway Dance Center in the yeah. early '90s. Aww. So that's that's where, yeah, um, I was a lot shorter than, um,
0: and <laughs> a lot more gray too, right?
1: Yeah, and Max had a lot more hair. <laughs> yes, I did. I did. I did. Um, so I guess I, my first encounter with media was getting my first like compilation of tap dance clips on a VHS tape. Yes. Um, it was like one of those extended so play VHS tapes that lasted six hours, and so the binding had a label that had all these names, and it was like five lines worth of handwritten names. Um, it took me about a week to watch, and so I've seen. Kind of all the changes, mm-hmm. um, and I think for me, uh, I was I worked with Savion off and on for about thirteen years. Was mentored by Gregory Hines, um, and have attempted to navigate like the benefits and the challenges of like cultural context for the craft work.
5: Mm-hmm. So
1: as an artist how do I engage based on the expectations of people based on the context of the culture? Um, And that changes, it seems like, every six months when there's a new tech platform that comes out. New app. And people are like, this is how we communicate now. And I'm like, okay, does that mean I have to tap dance there? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Is that where it's happening? Um,
6: So yeah, that's that's kind of been my journey. Mm -hmm. So my name is Max Pollack. I'm from Vienna, Austria and uh, that changes everything because where I grew up, there was absolutely no tap dancing. There still isn't. Um, So my only contact with tap dancing, my first contact with tap dancing was through television, black and white television. (laughs) <laughs> that's how old I am <laughs> and um,
5: uh,
6: when I got interested in it I was five years old and there was zero information zero there was no teaching available there were no classes available in Vienna because Vienna is very much about classical music or especially back then it was And it was impossible to find instruction. So my only access in the beginning of my interest in tap dance was watching television and waiting for the next Fred Astaire movie to come on. Mm. Luckily, they somehow had these movies in rotation. So like if you waited three months, you could see the same movie again. You know, so I'd be glued to the TV and just watch it, watch it. And then, you know, as a six-year-old, like I'd be like hopping around in front of the TV, like, what was that he did? You know, and then I'd grab my dad's hat and I'd like try to dance with a hat or with a cane. Uh, And my first access was improvisational because the only instruction I had was this, you know, like in real time kind of uh, broadcast that was then gone. Then my next... Level of uh, getting deeper into it was my mentor Carnell Lyons, who gave me footage, and this was 1987. So footage in 1987 was platinum, you know. It was unheard of, and this video, these videotapes that I got from him, I still have, and they are, you know, to me, I will never, you know, give them up. Uh, and they were very, very important to me. And they were also, for me, the first contact with African-American tap dance. Because before that, I had only seen uh, white people on screen. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, I had met Carnell. And that was a very intense uh, moment because he is black and he is of the original generation. Um, more about that in my solo show, All in One. Um, Skipping ahead to New York, um, being here and also being of the generation that I am of, um, my access or my um, contact with internet culture is a little bit different because I'm not as tech savvy as younger people. Uh, However, I'm doing it as much as I can, not as much as I should, probably. Uh, But it is always a challenge because I remember when we used to go to La Cave, it was a very difficult territory to come with a video camera. Mm. It was a no-no, you know? Nobody was allowed to videotape. The only people who were videotaping at La Cave, for instance, were... This gentleman, John, I can't even remember his last name from New Orleans, who was a Mm -hmm. friend of Jimmy's, who was allowed by Jimmy officially to document these events. And the other person was Roxanne Butterfly, Mm -hmm. who had her camera and was smart enough to start filming as soon as she could and filmed everything. And she has an unbelievable library of footage of everyone. I haven't seen all her footage and I'm in a lot of it because we used to work together a lot and Andrew too. Um, So people like Roxanne or especially her uh, are like a key to the media contact with tap dance during this time period. We are a little bit of a, I don't wanna call it lost generation, but we're a little bit of a generation that sits in between things uh, because of the timing when we started being active. Uh, so that'll be something to talk yeah. about. Um, and nowadays, <clears throat> um, I have recorded a CD, a music CD with my band. That's a, another angle of media that we can talk about. <clears throat> that's something that's very challenging, especially nowadays where nobody makes CDs anymore, you know, <laughs> and everything is being copied and sent off as soon as you publish it. You, it's impossible to make any money with your own compositions. I write music, I arrange music, and I would like to make money with that also. That's basically now gone. Unless you write music for video games, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, But that's another conversation, and I'll leave it there.
3: So you're
0: going to write music for video games is what you're saying. Right. basically. <laughs> <Mason. laughs> like the best soundtrack ever. Mm. I might actually start gaming. But. Okay. <laughs>
2: Uh, my name is Danny I'm originally from Calgary Alberta I'm back there now currently and um, for me growing up in Calgary there wasn't a lot of access I grew up at a regular competition dance studio I wasn't aware of who a lot of these people were it wasn't until I had a male teacher um, suggest I go search out some of these movies like the movie tap that I could rent at Blockbuster or um, uh, white knights as well and that was kind of my first introduction to seeing you know some of these dancers uh, Gregory Hines and all these people um, uh, Lisa Latouche came to my dance school when I was 14 I believe and she had just come from New York tap festival and was talking about all these names um, so I definitely gravitated towards her and went towards her for information where to go um, the following summer, um, there's a, a dancer named Sean Cheesman. He's on So You Think and all, all that, but he had a dance camp running in Calgary because he's originally from there. And the first year he brought Brill Barrett. Um, that was kind of like my first introduction to a lot of things. He then suggested I go to Vancouver Tap Festival, which is the first time I met Diane Walker and a lot of these people. And then from there I started... To travel the festival circuit, much like Demi, and I grew up there. I don't know if I'm the same generation as you. I think I'm yeah. one above.
4: I saw you, but I, I was.
2: Yeah. It's I like, think, I remember yeah. you. because I
4: was like a little kid. Yeah.
2: So, I, I mean, I come from the days of also trading VHS tapes. I mean, I used to be on the festival circuit and used to hang out with um, like Sarah Reich and Nico Rubio and Lee Howard and Star Dixon. We all used to go to St. Louis and Robert Reed used to have his little, I don't know what it was, but it had clips upon clips upon clips upon clips on there. So we used to watch that and we also would trade VHS tapes. Um, I I got my hands on those and I remember just like holding that (laughs) with so much praise because these clips weren't out there. Um, I remember there used to be one site called Off Jazz. Mm-hmm. Uh, online yes, I remember that and one. the clips were like, <laughs> like maybe yes. like 10 to 13 seconds long mm-hmm. <laughs> you know that's when I first saw like Van Porter and Ted Levy and they were doing yep. you know Flash and short little clip of Chuck Green and I just had like a, a nerdiness for this stuff um, <laughs> and then I would say like I mean when we were like 18, 19 that's when MySpace came out so that was like everything changed that's when things started to change and the videos became more apparent so like i would say i wasn't i was like 22 23 before all the the social media things happened um yeah it's it's been an interesting transition to see all those uh, you know everything's available now Mm -hmm. um and, and one of the most interesting things to me is you know when I go teach from studio to studio, you ask some of the students like, who is Gregory Hines? Who is Savion Gulver? And they have no clue, but yet everything is on YouTube yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting that dynamic of things, but yeah, I'll, I'll leave it there.
0: That's the perfect segue because we do live in a time that's so saturated. We have more access than ever, but it's like, how do you even filter through these things? Mm-hmm. And it's always been important to curate content and that's kind of what i'm seeing emerge as a theme here you know you have off jazz you have lady dies lecture tapes it's still a curation it's still a uh, bestowing of knowledge and saying this is these are the worthwhile voices that said we uh we screened american tap yesterday and whenever you do a documentary there's such a balance to okay who are we interviewing what's possible what kind of topics we're going to cover how do we edit this thing and I wondered if everyone here saw it, right? Everyone was here. Mm-hmm. So could you maybe speak to was there someone? Was there like someone that was highlighted where you're like, no, that's not at all how it was, or like, why <laughs> did they say this person? Because it is a selective history. And mm-hmm. Anthony are extremely educated and passionate. You talk a lot about oral history, but right now I think digital history is is kind of the future, and you know is a, a way that a lot of us encounter and access tap in the first place. So maybe speak to, what's your feedback from the film last night, good or bad? Like, is there something that was missing, something you're like, they got that right? Um, anyone that you would have highlighted that wasn't involved? Anything that bothered you?
6: Well, I will say I was very impressed with the historic part of it, the first part. That was very, very well researched and mm-hmm. very well presented and covered from my point of view and from my point of knowledge, uh, the most important aspects of our history that I have learned and read about and heard about. Uh, So I really commend them on doing that. It was engaging um, and really full of important information. Um, In the later part where they were talking about, you know, the sort of like more recent history, Um, I noticed that they were always crediting or, or, uh, giving information about who was talking or who was being shown. And then all of a sudden there were a couple of clips of companies and people where there was no information on the screen. You just saw them flit across the screen for like three seconds. And then the next clip and then the next clip. And one of those clips was me dancing with Manhattan tap. (laughs) and Heather Cornell, and they did, they did say Manhattan Tap, but it was not on the screen, mm. and that kind of bothered me a little bit. You're like, because, I didn't know I
0: was in this movie.
6: <laughs> first of all, yeah. 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 nobody asked me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, nobody asked, well, I'm sure they asked Heather, because Heather, Heather right. had the footage, uh, but Heather was painfully misrepre- or, uh, underrepresented, not misrepresented, underrepresented, um, and she wasn't interviewed, and she should have been interviewed for mm. sure as should have been Lynn Daly, for sure, mm-hmm. you know, and Linda Soldanell, and Anita Feldman, like, mm-hmm. there were a lot of women that were not given a, a voice while other women were talking too much.
0: And we don't know the name who they were, say. but yeah. yes, well, there were other women in yeah. <laughs> it. Th-
6: I think there's, there's an interesting point
1: that Max brings up in terms of, like, how much history that we have access to or know of in terms of the earliest part of our craft. Mm-hmm. And how much has happened in the past forty years mm-hmm. that we're still trying to learn and figure out, like, what is the actual story, mm-hmm. right? Because a company like Jazz Tap Ensemble or Manhattan Tap or Anita Feldman's company, like each one of them has a body of work that could be an hour-long documentary, mm-hmm. easily,
5: mm-hmm.
1: right? So if you're taking a survey, which is essentially what a film like American Tap is. Um, you know, someone, someone like uh, Brenda Buffalino with American Tap Dance Orchestra would be the representative of that entire, like, concert dance genre, genre and thing that happened in the 70s and 80s and early 90s, early mid 90s, um, and I think that's insanely difficult. Yeah. Right, it's insanely difficult because there's gonna be someone somewhere in the world who watches that film that doesn't know that Brenda's connected to a context. Right? and that there were other people working in similar contexts in, like, in that space. And that goes for almost every person in that film. Right? Um, and I think in terms of, in terms of chal- challenging things with documentaries, it's the same thing with history books. Right? You have a word limit, you have a time limit, mm-hmm. and you have an editor right, in both spaces. And once an editor gets a hold of your book, Like, they're going to make edits based on word count, grammar, and stylistic choices that can change the meaning of the stories, right?
0: Not that you know anything about writing a book, right, Anne? No, not at all.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, like, I literally went through this three weeks ago. So I've been in the process of writing a book for the past seven years. Um, And finally got it to a copy editor, got it back, and there were whole sections that they had rewritten for stylistic purposes that changed what I had wrote.
5: Mm -hmm.
1: Right, like it didn't mean the same thing and if I had trusted them and said okay, this is great I'm gonna accept all the changes and like put it to print I would have come out with a book that was not what I wrote, like literally Um, And so I think think there's a challenge there when it comes to Documents like this that aren't source material These are surveys Mm
5: -hmm.
1: that they're really good introductory pieces But for anybody who has any interest in the actual craft, like, you take all the names that are listed, you go to a public library or go to YouTube or go to some other place where you can find source material, and you search those names. American Tap should not be,
6: like, the only book.
0: Right.
6: This is one thing I will add to what I said before. I'm not saying that it was a bad documentary. Right. I, I liked it and I don't disagree with things that were said yeah? and I like the artists that were represented yeah? uh, I just felt some of them were a little overrepresented yeah? um, at the cost of others however it's great that it's out there but there needs to be more there need to be more documentaries maybe more uh, specialized ones that are about special themes within tap dancing, you know? Mm-hmm. Like there are a gazillion books and documentaries about Paul Taylor. Yeah? Um, and there are more uh, specific works about artists in genres that are more popular. Yeah? But there are books about specific ballet dancers, entire books about one dancer. Mm-hmm. That has not happened yet in tap dancing. We're not that far yet. That's why I support every single person who wants to and manages to pull off a documentary or a book. Uh, Every single piece that's being written and published so that the public at large has access to it is very valuable. Because the more books are on the shelf, the more relevant we all are.
0: And and I think it's challenging because... We're looking at the stuff farther in the past and saying, yes, that's accurate, that's good, that's what I know. But because we are in the present and in the more recent years, we understand, no, they're not mentioning this person, that person, that person. Even watching the documentary, I'm seeing postmodern jukebox, and Sarah doesn't dance with them anymore. There's been two other dancers since then. And I'm like, I'm sitting in the back, and I see Demi. And I'm like, she actually has held that position between the time the documentary came out and now. So it's interesting how people get remembered based on the sampling that they get. You
4: know? I, I think I I felt... I wonder what it looked like to someone who isn't on the in.
5: Because mm-hmm. I feel
4: like we're all on the right. in, and I see Michelle, and I make all her connections. Okay, I know <coughs> those little quotes that are misread, but we get it. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, And I think that's why <coughs> there's so much understanding and leeway in us watching it, but I don't know if that's going to be read properly. And I also felt that they chose top celebrities which makes sense people who have met this award so that's the three bullets they're going to get underneath their name and mm-hmm. that's just not i didn't i didn't enjoy the three little yeah mm-hmm. stomper for nicholas or yeah yeah that's or really, a, a yeah. co-choreographer of dance i just think he's so he has so much more and right, right absolutely. i don't know and um you like it's nicholas that's mm-hmm. all you gotta they know just asso- they just <laughs> like associated him. people with the thing that would give them the most like grounding or I don't know, and it was also those celebrities and their like tentacles and who they could grab. And yeah. I it made sense to me. Like Michaela, I saw her people. I saw Doran Dance, I saw Chris Broughton, I saw the people that Michelle pulled in. Mm-hmm. You saw the LA people and it made sense who was all there. But there was this I don't know. But I
0: noticed that in the in the more historic footage and everything that was looking at the history, the pivotal moments did seem to be defined by fame. You know, when they were talking about bubbles, they're like, "This was the first famous tap dancer. Everybody knew him." It fame always seems to be an ingredient, and now everyone can be a producer. Everyone has access. You no longer have to reach a certain point to get seen. But it's interesting how fame always functions as something, and it's bothersome to the people that are in the community and can see it, and are constantly seeing the the, the choices being made and how the outside's viewing the inside based on, oh, we bestow this person as a leader. And it's like who gets to pick, and why?
4: Slightly toxic message, maybe to young yes. people. I don't know. It made me yeah. feel a little bad. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, but I I think it it brings to light this idea that tap dance has very from very early on from jump Jim Crow, right? Made a jump from just being a cultural expression to being a commercial one.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Right. So right from the right from the right from the jump. <laughs> uh, we've had to deal with this craft work being in the context of I do this thing in front of people we get paid for it what does that do to how this thing gets created the choices that the artists make um, the fact that we consider ourselves artists and not just people who dance Mm -hmm. Um, like all those things to think about Diane Walker tells a story about how um, her mom was like kind of semi-disregarding of her dance career. And then at one point in their kitchen, her mom just like laid down this time step and was like, listen, everybody used to dance. You're not special.
3: Right? That's amazing. Yeah.
1: And it's like, (laughs) that's just, that's literally three generations ago, four generations ago. Yeah. Right? And so, and we don't have a context where like our families are tap dancing in our kitchen. Right. (laughs) Right, just because that's the thing Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I think there's there is an interesting balance between the personal relationship with the craft what that process is like what that practice is like where that can go for each individual dancer and this pursuit of I think I really want to do this for the rest of my life and get paid for it and what that is like Um, and I think for every person, all our documented footage is of people who got paid to be in a film. Like, that's what we have. Yeah,
0: I think a burden tap dance has is that people view it nostalgically or view it in a certain way, and that whether they're informed or uninformed, you know, whether they're in the community and they're more of a purist, and they're like, it needs to be like this or it doesn't have integrity and you're messing with what I see as sacred, you know, or Mm -hmm. you have people that are completely uninformed, and are just creating freely and maybe don't even realize that they're stepping on toes. My husband was on World of Dance last year and I actually had some uh, disagreements about just the values of the show because at the end of the day, it's highly commercial. They're not looking to show the pinnacle of artistry during the process and they're saying, oh, could you put a backflip in there? Could you put this? That's (laughs) why hip-hop groups always win. At the end of the day, it's about the dollars and the consumer and the mass consumer is not informed the mass consumer is looking for flash and probably does not even care about the integrity of tap dance. And that sucks, but it's the truth. So how do we navigate that in a way where you make something that doesn't even need to be accessible, but something that just gets seen, something that actually can carry it forward without, you know, perverting the original thing?
1: I I have a contention with the mass consumer is just looking for flash. Yes. Um, I think the mass consumer is looking for peace Mm. or escape. Or something that's not their daily distraction. Mm-hmm. Distraction yes. at the worst. Yeah, yeah. Right, and so it's on the content creator mm-hmm. to provide something for them that is not detri- that is not more detrimental to their health. Mm. Right, flash is easy. That's candy. Right, popcorn. Go buy a bag of popcorn. You'll get full and then you'll get hungry. You might get sick. Right, but <laughs> well, that's so you
6: think you can dance right there. That. But that's yeah. bags of candy.
0: But why and that is, exists. I find like someone like Michelle, for example, has the blessing of the greater population, the consumer side, whether they're tap dancers or not, and also from inside the community to no, you can be creative. You can you can partner with Nicholas and make this electronic, interactive, new form of tap dance. She seems to have that blessing in a way that maybe some other companies or individuals might not, where it's like you're not allowed to do that. And well, I think it's a great thing.
6: I'm not yeah, I mean, th- those—that's fantastic, and I'm Michelle's biggest fan. Um, but if she had not met certain people who opened doors for her, she wouldn't be where she is. She'd still be underground.
5: Mm-hmm. You know,
6: uh, that's the unfortunate truth for every single person that we are talking about all through the history. You know, there were always there were always certain people. Who picked out a certain person for certain qualities and put them on stage or in front of people and gave them access or gave the audience access to this person's artistry? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, it is now not quite as cutthroat as it was in the in the uh, vaudeville days, but um, still, um, it depends on that little. Extra bit of happenstance, or you know, good fortune or good luck, that the right person walks into the room at the right time, seeing sees you do the right thing, yeah. And um, you know, that's something that we don't really have much control over. We can, we are all trying to always put our best foot forward and perform at our best, and we also try to record it to the best of our ability you know like that's why I made my CD because I know the musical value of what I do and I wanted it to be documented at the best level possible so that generations after me can go oh this is what this actually sounded like this is this is really the music that's in my head and this is what it sounds like at its best possible you know. But that doesn't mean that it's gonna be popular, you know, unless somebody picks it up and puts it in front of a lot of people. Um, Exactly how to manage that, I don't know. Um, But we are all at the mercy of this dynamic, you know. And um, because the the platforms that we use uh, are wide open. But also, uh, we are in a cascade of information. It is very difficult, you know, for the audience to pick stuff out unless they're pointed towards it. you know so there's there's control of the flow, and there's control of the public's attention. You know that's something that we are continuously hearing about, you know, like how Facebook or how Instagram or how these news outlets direct the public's attention by manipulating the public's attention.
5: Mm-hmm.
6: Uh, and the public hasn't been manipulated to pay attention to tap dance necessarily.
0: Or to artistry.
6: Or to artistry. Or to yeah, quality. You right. Anything like that. Yeah, of course. Yeah.
0: Danny, I'm wondering if you can comment on the Canadian perspective. You know, whether, because I I mean, I have born and raised in Vancouver. I moved mm-hmm. about five years ago. And I did notice like East Coast, West Coast, totally different. North and South of the 49th, totally different. I'm sure Calgary and Vancouver, your experience in both cities mm-hmm. may be more similar, but still very different. What can you comment on sort of your relationship to the community and maybe how media has made that more accessible or shapes your experience?
2: Hmm. I mean, there's definitely differences in the community, but I mean, across the board, like, I feel like the scene's the same a little bit all over Canada. I mean, Toronto has a very strong scene. Calgary has things happening. Vancouver's always had a scene. Other than those three places, I don't know how much is happening. Um, I guess I'm not really 100% sure about the question. Sorry, can you repeat the question? Just,
0: you know, do you find that it's different being a Canadian? Like, the movie's called American Tap you know, and it's seen as an American art form, even though it's a a mix of different roots and different influences. I don't know if it feels different being a Canadian person doing what is seen as an American art form or how how it's different I mean, there's definitely, like,
2: I mean, I feel like there's more awareness in the States of the art form and what it's about and things like that, even though, you know, it's still fighting for its place in certain things. You know, I feel like there are Few dancers very dedicated to trying to hone the craft, you know, to to taking class, to to dancing with live music, to things like that. But in terms of the public, I'm not sure if they're totally aware of what this thing really is about. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the comments, you know, yesterday, just in the car, was like, Well, what about Canada in the documentary? But I'm (laughs) like, Mm -hmm. it's an American art form. It's American tap. You know, and the scenes that happen, you know, all around the world are pertaining to what's happening in the states. What's happening in the states is influencing everything everywhere else, and all the cultures around the world are different, and we're going to view things differently. We're going to interpret interpret it a little bit differently all over the place, um, you know. But yeah, there's. I mean, it's it's a struggle to to. I guess communicate what this thing's about. And um, I think it's important to have people. At this point, there's so much happening in the world
6: that most people in the States have no inkling about. They don't know that it's even happening and they certainly don't understand or they're not aware of the artistic quality that some of it has and of the uh, adventurous nature and the very not American concepts that are being applied to an American art form, making it much more interesting than if it were just in America, which is something that has happened, thank God, to all valid art forms. You know, Jazz music or improvised music, yes, is originally an American art form, but it is everywhere. In, on every continent, in every country, you find musicians who have studied the American art form and history of jazz music, but then have taken their own background and turned it into something individual. The same thing has happened with tap dance. And it is quite staggering what has happened the world over. And also there's a lot of, there are a lot of things that have happened in the history of tap dance in other countries that nobody here knows about. When I was in Japan last, uh, last year, I mm. sat with a documentarian uh, and scholar of tap dance in Tokyo. This gentleman has compiled a history of Japanese tap dance that will blow your socks off. Mm. Yeah? There has been so much tap dancing in Japan by Japanese people Mm. that you would never, ever expect. This guy had programs, actual, real, uh, uh, you know, original programs from the 1920s of Japanese jazz tap dancers Mm. performing with live music. He had records, like... Shellac records. So cool! Yeah? Of <laughs> tap dancers, Japanese tap dancers tap dancing with Japanese orchestras singing swing music in Japanese in like 1932. <laughs> okay? So cool. yeah. How many American <laughs> tap dancers know that? I didn't know that. <laughs> right. You know? And this kind of stuff in Russia, mm-hmm. there's a history of tap dancing that is bizarre but amazing. Yeah? Yeah, and it's, yeah, it's maybe not quite as deep as in Japan, because of course, Japan had a deep, deep connection with America. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have myself made interviews with artists in Cuba that used to tap dance in the 1950s and learned it from watching movies, just like I did, basically. Yeah? Uh, there's so much history of tap dance that is not American. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is interesting. It's it hasn't had an impact on America necessarily, but it's certainly relevant to those places that have developed tap dancing. Uh, uh, that it would be of benefit, I think, for everybody who is in this art form to know more about what has happened globally with tap dancing. Yeah? Because if you, if you want to know about jazz music yeah, and you only look at the United States, you are sorely missing a lot of the greatest stuff that's happening.
0: Literally a world of stuff.
6: Totally. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah? And it's just like that with tap dancing at this point.
0: Awesome. I think we should open up for Q&A. Do we have any cues that we can A? <laughs> <laughs>
6: a- I love them. I knew that was gonna. Happen. No. <laughs>
0: I thought I was lame. Just kidding.
5: <laughs>
6: <laughs> but not all at the same time. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Please, one at a time. Does anyone on the panel want to ask someone else on the panel a question or a general question?
6: Radio. I'm pretty sure all of you have done a live radio show where you've tap danced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what's that experience like and do you think radio tap dancing on the radio is something that's valid and important?
0: It sounds like an indie band tap dancing on the radio. It's <laughs> a good name. It's a really good <laughs> name. That and baby blanket. I want to have a punk band and baby <laughs> blanket.
6: Excellent.
4: But anyways, tap dance on the radio. My experience isn't very thorough with the radio. I did one thing, but... All the albums that PMJ produces are then just audio, and there's tap dance on them.
6: I'm just kind of going because you yeah. s- you were just on the radio, and you said yeah. seven Monday, minutes and boom. And Monday morning. And Monday morning. Just, let's uh, go, let's go. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: um, radio, like, news is interesting. Radio is interesting. Um, it's such a tight time limit, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's whoever the host is has done either their homework or they have their questions that are right there and they're like, we're going to ask you this, 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 you have about 15 seconds to answer each question and then you're going to go up, you're going to dance for like 30 seconds, then you're going to come back to the mic and you know plug whatever you're there to plug. Um, I think tap dancing on the radio is fun. Um, Tosh was in his car while, uh, while the radio segment was going on and I think he he noticed the radio segment was happening when the tap dancing started happening because he yeah. thought his radio was broken. <laughs> right, because it was just popping. What <laughs> like is the speakers racket? are popping, he's like, what's going on? Like, are we, are we good? Um,
7: it sounds really good on the radio. Do you know, like that sort of, it portrays itself really well on the radio. Oh, so, cool. Like for me, it, I, I find that anyway, I found that listening to you, I found that the actual sound that you made was really clear and very very appealing, I guess is the word I'm looking for. So mm-hmm. more so than on TV when I'm distracted by what your face is doing and what's, although she did talk about your face and your contortions, which I thought was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so when, she's actually talking about that afterwards. Drummer's face. So. <laughs> yeah. Right. But I thought, I thought that it, I think it lends itself to the media really, media really well. Yeah. It, it, was, it was, they have great you know, mics, they have great, yeah. they, so I think that that was a, I, I thought it was a brilliant sound. So cool. to me, I thought if I was listening to it as somebody who didn't know the art form, I would be interested in that art form because it sounded yeah. spectacular, like better than you would hear in a in a, in a theater, better with people yeah. talking and there's Someone here, it was it was clear as a bell, and it was beautiful.
6: cool. So. That's the reason why I'm asking yeah. the question. <laughs> yeah, I I spoon yeah. yeah.
7: beating
5: yeah. that because I uh, a feeling, yes.
6: yeah yeah <laughs> uh, because on television there is no way you are going to get the texture and the sound quality across Mm -hmm. that we as tap dancers want to hear, want you to hear. Mm -hmm. There's no way. I was able to do that on my CD. It was very hard work and it cost me so much money. Yeah? But who's counting? Uh, But who's counting, yeah. Uh, But radio is is sort of like this step in between. If you are with people who are really interested in what you're doing and know what they're doing in their medium, it's a really amazing thing. And I've done a lot of radio shows mm-hmm. uh, in different countries with different people. But I've done entire like two-hour shows mm-hmm. uh, um, performing uh, a full actual, actual concert with in-between uh, um, interviews. I've done radio shows where I was asked to make a playlist, like to give yeah. my, my musical... Uh, choices and stuff and yeah. talk about it in relationship to like my CD and stuff like that um, and I've done interviews mm-hmm. uh, uh, but in general I was much happier with the outcome because of the sound and because of the information provided and the interest from the, d- from the DJ or the, or the host uh, that the result was always much more satisfying to me and I believe much more impactful on an audience than most television appearances, because the sound is never satisfactory, yeah. unless you have a TV set with a sound system that's like, bam, like a that's recording right. studio. Mm-hmm. Uh? Mm-hmm. But on the radio, it usually sounds better. I mean, this, the other
1: thing that I've experienced is that on television, they're they're asking you to dance on whatever floor the set has. Right? <laughs> right exactly. Which is like yeah. fiberglass usually crap. or something. Yeah. Or yeah, concrete. You know. so yeah. This will
0: work, right? Like it's a floor. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah. They'll, yeah. they'll put yeah. down
1: no, plastic right for yeah, you yeah. so you yeah. don't yeah, damage the tile.
5: Yeah.
1: yeah.
6: yeah. Um, <laughs> that happens. It's yeah. Like, it's yeah. It's the basic. Yeah. The basic problem is that the TV people don't care about the sound that you're making right. they don't understand they don't either. understand no they think
0: you have your shoes and that's exactly what you need. they yeah. have no perspective they're just I, going
1: from the visual Yes. well and that's an interesting thing because then you get into the question of like what is the instrument of a tap dancer is it the shoes or is it the floor I think well
0: yeah. what's the
1: instrument of a guitars is it the pick or is it the guitar
0: the contact of the person plus the pick and the guitar I think it's all integrated but what's Good. the
6: instrument it's it, well, in my opinion, it's definitely both. That's the problem with tap dance cuz you can you can't always bring both instruments. Right. You know. Right. I mean, a pianist has to bring his hands
0: exactly. and has to
6: have a piano. To put shoes she- on a
0: tap board. Yeah, right? exactly. You don't have tap dance.
6: Yeah. But we we don't always have control of, of the, floor, the floor and that's the right. problem, you know.
0: So the lesson is always bring a tap board. <laughs>
6: Ideally, yes. Yeah. yeah. And the people who can afford it? Do. <laughs> yeah. I would if I could afford it. Yeah. I do as, as often as I can. Yeah.
7: Did they have that floor for you on Monday or did you bring your floor?
6: At the radio
1: show?
7: Yeah.
1: Uh, the, guy, the, the guy The guy went curious. to like the, sh- the shop yeah. at the CBC mm-hmm. and pulled out a wood plank. Plywood. Nice. Yeah.
7: <laughs> I was wondering how that sounds because I, I was really
0: impressed with
1: the sound. Yeah, he, yeah. he just <laughs> found a wood plank in the building. <laughs>
0: did that happen? Is that like a stressful <laughs> thing when you got there and you're like... Then they had to find it, or did you call no, them ahead I, of time? And you're like, I know you're not. Called them up ahead of, of floor. Like, Yeah. on the call, like, what do you need? Yeah. I said,
1: I need a piece of wood. They're like, any kind of wood. I was like, maybe any kind of wood. Yeah. And you know, you just hope that they bring something that's not like water damaged. <laughs> you know?
4: That's the bar right now. Because well, <laughs> that happens too, though. Yeah. <laughs> I
1: I think I think to a certain degree you like you have to play the opportunity for what the opportunity is.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? A 7-minute radio show that's going to bring people to a live event is to get people to the live event. Right. It's not to have the best sonic tap dance performance ever on CBC. Mm-hmm. Right. But that would be nice it's, too. It's just it'd be amazing. <laughs> <That'd> be <nice. laughs> it'd be amazing, but there's only so much energy that you can expend on every single like 15-second moment that you mm-hmm. get in sure. life. Sure. So If they're they're excited to have you there and they're willing to get a piece of wood for you, you're like, great, get me the piece of wood, I will be there, Mm -hmm. right? Because you know that they're going to be concerned for your well-being because they're excited to have you, right, if they're like, my boss told me that you're the person that I should talk to because you're the guy that's doing this event and we think we want you on this radio show, what do you need? They're like, well, I need a piece of wood and they're like, what kind man like I don't think we have anything like that's a different conversation Mm
5: -hmm.
1: so if if I'm able to be in control of all the variables like I build my own floors we put them in the trunk of my car like my company has danced on these three by three foot floors for shows in theaters in parks I've taken that same floor onto TED stages um because it controls the variable, mm. right? And it's better than specking that floor to them and getting to the venue and being like, right. that's not what I spec. Exactly. Right. Yeah. right? So you build it, you get a car, you stick it in the trunk, and you go to the gig. <coughs> um, and I carry my own microphones. Yeah, that's ideally controlling all the- Right, ones, all so the- I got it. And the then the only variable is the sound tech. Right, right? and right? if because you can bring that one too, yep. then you're happy. <laughs> then you do,
6: yeah. 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 But it's all a matter of,
1: yeah, of course. Yeah. And that's that's where, quote-unquote, production value right. comes in. Mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm. And usually when that production value comes in, it's big enough that there is some sacrifice in what you're doing, maybe? I wonder if people see, like... I don't know if, like, tap dancers are okay with how a tap dancer is portrayed in, like, something like Postmodern Duplex. Because there is a level of, like, entertaining. There is a, some... Like, can you be proud of what you do and entertain these people who have never seen tap dance before? Usually a bunch of old people, really. And you have to give them a show that you as a tap dancer, knowing where you came from, that are really, that I'm proud of. And that I'm trying new things every night while still entertaining meeting things. this yeah. level of entertainment. And maybe some tap dancers aren't okay with doing both of those things.
0: Well, slight aside yeah. on that, I appreciate you actually wore clothes when you perform with them, which is not Thank always you. the case <laughs> when you have a featured dancer.
4: They, so. I was talked to about that. Yeah. They wore pants and I was talked to. Which is like crazy. they said, you gotta show a little yeah. ankle. Did they just happen? said, so what's up with the jumpsuits? Because, I don't know, that's like a whole nother... It was very right. subtle. <laughs> but still, it was, it was something that I was like replacing a female in the company and I wasn't representing, I guess, the showgirl of the time that they really wanted me to be. But slowly they've accepted the, the Yeah, you wore clothing like everyone else on stage. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I guess I wonder... This is maybe a question for young tap dancers. If... I see, like, a musical artist do multiple songs, multiple albums, and they can be drastically different. And we, like, we listen to them with, like, open ears. And we're okay with that. But if a tap dancer does a solo that isn't... I I, I almost feel, like, some, like, like nervousness. And, like, like I don't know if slapback is the right word. But, like, uh, if I'm putting on a character, if I'm being something funny, if I'm doing that, something that involves a story and that's not just about the instrument, and I know, like, maybe, ah, no one got out of me, but...
5: Ooh. Like, that's,
4: that's important cool. in mm-hmm. some people's artistic expression, and I good. sometimes feel in front of tap dancers that that's not what judged? they want it to be about. Do you feel judged? <laughs> yeah, and, like, and I can get past that because I like what I do, yeah, but, okay. but it is something that I notice.
6: Um, Let me say something about that. <laughs> Entertainment as a threat to certain people. Tap dancing has always been expression and entertainment. There are some of us who don't just tap dance, who have other skills like acting, creating atmosphere, entertaining, comedy, music. Mm
5: -hmm.
6: When any of us use talents in addition to our tap dance skills, Certain people get threatened, and I don't really understand why. It's some terrible insecurity that they can't get over.
0: It's because they don't have the talent.
6: It's maybe because they don't have that talent. But I think art is art. If you want to express yourself and you want to put on a character, and you can because you've got the skill, then please go ahead and do it. Mm -hmm. Because that's who you are. And no one has the right, ever, to tell you you cannot do who you are. Period. The end.
0: I'm not going to drop this mic, but mic drop. <laughs> okay. Because it's a skill. Yes. And it's not it's easy. easy.
6: It's not easy, ladies oh. and gentlemen.
0: Andrew's brewing something right now. <laughs>
6: no, I just I, I'm a I think no, no, you're fine.
0: <laughs>
1: holding you're, on. you're totally fine.
2: I'm sweating. No, you're totally
1: fine I just I, I think I think historical context is important yeah. in terms of this conversation because yes tap dance has always had to deal with an audience and in terms of dealing with an audience you get to figure out as an artist how you want to interact with that audience mm-hmm. that's right true. and no nobody gets to tell you not to but everybody gets to talk about you that's true right So when Miles Davis turned his back to the audience, everybody talked about him. Mm -hmm. Did he care? No. (laughs) But everybody talked about him. Um, When Wynton Marsalis doesn't turn his back to the audience, everybody talks about him. (laughs) right? So in terms of tap dance land, there has been backlash in more recent history to any conception of tap dance that looks at it as, how can I say this? Undermining the artistry of the art, yeah. right? Right. So if 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 somebody saw Brownie Brown and Buster Brown do the washing machine, you would look at the washing machine as this. Thank you.
0: I knew there would be dancing.
5: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and you—that's it. That's the dance, right? <laughs> if you walked into Swing Forty Six on a Sunday afternoon. And you saw Buster and Brownie, two short, old tap dancers, do this dance. You would go, "What in the world is this?" And you would probably walk out, as like an, or you would say, "That's really funny."
0: This isn't the hardest right? dance.
1: And, there, and the and the the challenge for someone who might feel responsible for everybody's perception of this craft would be what is someone who doesn't have context going to think about tap dancing if they walk in and see that, Mm -hmm. right? And so then the question about kind of purity of the quotation marks, purity of the craft becomes this quagmire where if you stop and you tell a joke, you're like, am I not a tap dancer anymore? Or am I in the lineage of Buster Brown and Gregory Hines and Honey Coles and, like, all the cats used to stop and tell jokes, including John Bubbles, right? And I think in in a time and a space where that conversation is prime because there's so much going on and there's so many opinions, um, understanding our tradition and understanding where, like, the choices are in our craft becomes powerful for the artist. Because you say, no, I know people used to tell jokes while they danced.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: So I can do this. And the people who are purists also know that. They just have issues with how that might be perceived.
0: Mm-hmm. So I right? guess it comes down to what do you know? Can you make an argument for it? And do you care about their opinions? Can you be resilient yeah, to the course. critics?
1: But I think, I think that's in every art, that's in choices of life.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: Right, what do, you, what do you know about how the choices that you live by will show up? Do you care about other people's opinions of it? Do you care about how those choices affect the people that are in your sphere of influence? And are you, do you have a defense for those choices? If you don't, life can be really challenging. And if you care about other people's – about the effect of those choices on other people, then your choices might change. And you have to grapple – like, every individual has to grapple with that. Because you might make choices that, like, it's not the choice I want, but it's the choice that's best for the people around me. Right? And that becomes, that becomes this weird kind of matrix of decision-making.
6: When you mold yourself to the public opinion, you mean?
1: Yeah, or and it doesn't have to be public opinion has such a negative connotation now, mm-hmm. right? It's like nobody should care about what anybody else thinks so that we can all self-actualize. Right?
5: <laughs> can
1: I give him a t shirt? Yeah, sure. <laughs> right? But I think I think if if nobody's actually isolated, right, if we work against the cultural trend of isolation and say nobody's actually isolated, then everybody's choices affects everybody around them. And if we take our first sphere of influence, then we say, what is the best choice that I can make for this inner circle? If that best choice is not doing the thing that I want, but doing the thing that's best for them, then I think that's healthy, right? Because then we're in service of this circle. And if that circle, if the relationship is based on love, then they are asking the same question. And then you have concentric circles going around, where people are making the best choice for the circle that they can most clearly influence, and then things become healthy, right? And then people will see themselves in the betterment of others, right? And then they will be get they will get cared for. So you will feel like you are you have the space to do what it is that you're meant to be doing, um, and people won't be fighting over whether like a shuffle is a shuffle. They'll be fighting over whether that thing that you do, I can do so we can do it together. Right? And I understand when you're doing it, so I can do it with you.
3: So I just wanted to say something. I'm a librarian, so like, the whole time you guys are talking, I'm like, yay! <laughs> I'm like, Shout, Shout out! Um, There's just a comment about um, that access point into TAP and, and talking about making it entertaining. And I think what drew me into TAP is so much about the the social history of it, right? And and the conversation today um, in the news and what's been happening with communities and social injustice, like, that's such a, a hot topic. Not that it never wasn't a hot topic, but it's very prevalent today. So I feel like that's a very... Um, I think that could be a really good spark into the history, into the art form especially, too, because so much of it is about racial inequalities and, you know, social injustice and all that kind of thing. So I just wanted to bring that up, too, because I think... Um, to combat any sort of I don't know if stereotype is the right word but like there's, there's other angles to the art form that people aren't aware about and it's not until you start to dive into it that you realize oh there's been a whole history of you know going back to you know the minstrel and, 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 and you know people co-opting you know this black art form so I think, I think that could be a really um, powerful way into talking about tap as an art form
6: but
5: that's
6: the kind of <laughs> yeah. no i agree um, and i will I will add to that uh that making uh, making art using tap dance uh, gives us a a big responsibility clearly that we all have to carry and that we all have to um um, respond to and we all have um, it's our duty I want to say you know, to inform and um, I have made it my choice to include in my presentations or in my teaching my specific angle on the social history which is yes the history of tap dancing but because I know a lot of people who are also very well versed in that and do that more, I have decided to go and talk more about my specific angle of the history of Afro-Cuban social history and how that plays into American culture and how it is very parallel with the development of jazz music and tap dance there are things that happened almost simultaneously in Cuban history and Cuban music that if you look at it and you have the information, you see the parallels and it's very, very interesting. Mm. And I know that in, in our community, the tap dance community, there's nobody else who's talking about that because I'm the only one who went and did the research and can talk to about that. Uh, so I made it my um, my calling or my purpose to talk about that. Uh, Of course, I'll also talk about tap history and the ring shout and all that, you know, because I find it amazingly important and also beautifully interesting to show that and talk about it and then show the parallels, how that relates to my information from the Afro-Cuban side because it is all connected. but I have also gotten pushback for many, many years about doing that because that's something that is for the ignorant not connected to tap dancing and is not tap dancing. Huh? I've gotten over it because I just do what I do. Huh? But people, you know, if you do something that's individual, that's not exactly the traditional thing, there is a risk that you might get pushback from somebody. But, you know, the truth is just be yourself and do what you think is important and then, you know, make sure that you are able to defend it, as we said. You know, if you, if you make a choice that is unusual, be so informed and make sure that you have the, the wherewithal to intellectually defend why you're doing it.
0: I love everything about that, I totally agree. People need to be informed, they need to be brave enough to say, you know, I actually do have a voice and I have personal agency, and the word calling you used is wonderful, you know? And I just, I hope that something that can be a takeaway from this is that everyone has the tools and the personal responsibility to carve out what their place is and to honor the past, but also to use the tools there to say, okay, how am I responsibly using my place within this community? And understanding that everyone does have a place and a responsibility within their own circle. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Any question? Yes. Um, for a while now,
4: I've been working on an essay about Gregory Hines and like the influence that he's had
3: in making
4: tap, like tap dance, seen more as an art form, like to the rest of the community.
3: And I've, uh, with the research I've done, I've found a lot of
4: interesting things about how. He used media such as movies and television and like stuff like that to bring his name out there. And I was just wondering like what are your like
3: what are your thoughts on that kind of stuff?
1: I am a tap dancer because I saw the movie tap. Done. Mm-hmm. Like, and I know I know for a fact that at every at every opportunity, Greg like allowed himself to insert tap dancing. So he had, he had his own television show, the Gregory Hines show, a uh, primetime sitcom, right? Think about that for a second. <laughs> right? Um, he made sure that at least in one episode there was a tap dance scene, mm-hmm. right? And I, I contend that because he did that, he was never taken as seriously as he could have been as an actor. Right? Because in the, in the hierarchy of entertainment stuff, dance is at the bottom.
0: He was brilliant in the Muppet movie.
1: Yeah. Phenomenal. <laughs> like right? the
0: best actor there.
1: <laughs> best cameo in the world. Yeah. <laughs> Gregory Hines, Kermit the Frog, Miss Piggy.
4: All yeah. my favorite people mm-hmm. in Wuppet. Yeah.
6: Fantastic. Yes. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, when you go on a desert island those are the three. Because <laughs> you'll, be, you'll be able to sand dance for hours. Yeah. I'll never
0: be stumped on that question again. I no. have my answer. Nope.
1: So I, I, think, I think to a certain degree, Gregory purposely did certain things to make sure that everybody knew he was a tap dancer. And that allowed everybody to know that there was a tap dancer who was active in the world at that level. Um, and that, that, becomes, that becomes a platform for the art form in general. And he also did this thing where in interviews, he would, could, because he was who he was, people were like, what do you think about tap dancing today? Do you think it's on the rise? Do you think it's on, like, is it dying? Like, you get all those questions. And he would always say, no, I'm super excited about what tapnissing is like nowadays, especially because I know that there are people like. And he would name four or five people. And that article would go in print. And so when everybody saw that, they're like, oh, here are four or five people that I can now look for. Mm -hmm. Because this guy said that these are the people to look for. right? Being someone who's front running, right? If you're, if you're running a marathon, the person who's running in the front of the line has the hardest job. Because you break the wind for everybody else. Right? You run against the resistance of the wind, everybody else is behind you. Now, if you're gonna be in that role, you have that's okay. If you're gonna be in that role, you have to know that you're doing that for the benefit of every other runner behind you. Because it's highly likely that you're not going to win the race. The person who's running right behind you is going to win. Or maybe third. Mm-hmm. The person who's running in third will win, right? But you are not going to win, especially in a long-distance race, right? So I, I personally believe that Greg knew that what he was doing was that. He went, he had his career. He was solid in his career, and he was very level-headed about what the entertainment industry was and was not. And for that, I'm very, like, for that lesson, I'm very grateful. The thing that I think is so unique about what he did with that level-headedness was this. How many artists today would you know that would open their floor for a good 15 minutes in the middle of their one-man show? <laughs> and be like, anybody tap dancing in the audience? Did you bring your shoes? Come up to the stage. They're like 50 70 $100 tickets. Mm-hmm. And people knew, so they brought their shoes. And he would let them come up and dance with them. And so there are hundreds of thousands of people in America walking around with stories like that day I got to dance with Gregory Hines. And what kind of encouragement is that to a dancer or to a person on a journey? Right? And so you work in the platform of the media and then you work the people, and then you have both things happening at the same time, right? And I think that, that to me was super special. I
0: really appreciate your perspective on like a nurturing approach to leadership and being like there might be ignorance, but it's okay. Let's cultivate it. Let's, you know, let's do our part to actually help things move forward versus shutting it out.
1: Yeah, I think Greg knew life would figure it out. Like, the people who would not end up tap dancing just wouldn't end up tap dancing.
7: they do orange theory instead. <laughs> right. <laughs> Why? Do you think that, sorry to interrupt, do you think that culture still exists in a way now in the media? Like, is that is that something that, like, how is, so what he did for the tap dance community, what's happening now in media, in tap dance, that is, are, do you guys feel a responsibility? Do you feel that someone else has responsibility? Do you feel that? There is
4: responsibility. It's something as small as like sharing a gig with someone that you think would be a great recommendation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like trust that there's room for everyone and that those recommendations aren't <clears throat> taking away from you. Like I wouldn't, I didn't seek out postmodern jukebox. Sarah Rice recommended yeah. me out of nowhere. So like it's a community. You it's a community of, sort of, of like community. it should be a community yeah, of love great. and like just trust that there's space. So yeah. I don't know when you find those people that are that giving and warm and they. It's just, it's the greatest group of people. I don't know. I didn't have that for a long time. And when that mm-hmm. finally happened, I thought this was this, like, this is a fluke. Like, <laughs> thank you. Mm-hmm. It's just because as a young dancer, a young athlete, or anything of the sort, it's just, it's pretty cutthroat, but it doesn't need to be. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, yeah, I don't know. That was great. No,
6: I mean, I, I think that I agree. Yeah, that's what makes it worthwhile. And that's why I chose it as my way of life because I have experienced uh, this sharing and this openness and this humility and this need and urge to uh, commune you know, in so many places in the world and uh, I have experienced it in the tap world and in a couple of other communities as well but, you know, the tap family is, is really so big and there are really, really nice people, tap people everywhere on the planet. And that's one of the greatest gifts that life has given me, I will say that, you know. Um, and I am happy that through modern media, I can stay in touch with them a little bit more easily. Yeah, that is an amazing thing. And I love media for that. Of course, you know, media is challenging, but at the same time, God, I can, you know, I can talk FaceTime with somebody in China or Japan and exchange steps or do a rehearsal. You know, like I can FaceTime a rehearsal with somebody in Australia or in Austria or in Brazil or whatever. You know, I can teach a lesson through this, uh, through this medium that didn't exist, you know, 30 years ago or 40 years ago that's an amazing, amazing thing that has helped our community uh, become stronger. So we need the media. Everybody needs media. Tap dancing has always needed media. We We know the problem, the challenge that arises from the fact that there's only, you know, like one entry from Charles Dickens from the 1840s about Master Juba. Can you imagine if there had been people in the room with iPhones? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'd watch that YouTube clip. You know?
7: Definitely.
0: So,
6: you know, we need it and we live in it. There's know? more
0: potential but more overwhelm than ever. And of I think course. that's the challenge for everyone here, not yeah. even in relation just to tap dance, but right. in your life. How do you navigate right. that the digital sphere is no longer not real or separate? It's completely enmeshed.
6: Mm-hmm. But you can, you, can, uh, you can live love in the media, like what you were talking about. You know, you can share and influence your circle by using the media in such a way, you know. Uh, however, of course, we all know that the opposite is also true, yes. you know. And some people like to engage in the dark side of that which is sad but you know that's what we live with
1: I mean all the more reason to be on the other side exactly yeah you know it's it's kind of like most most people who who have that perception perspective of like not wanting not wanting to engage on the dark side disengage mm-hmm. right where it's right. like no actually if we want that space to be different we have to engage yeah. more than,
6: Anything else? Right. to be active, yeah. actively yes. changing it for the positive. Yeah. May I ask a
7: question?
5: Yeah. Um, the last one.
7: I'm curious, in what ways do you all reach out to um, non-dancers to introduce tap dance mm-hmm. to them? And as I don't know how many Americans are in the room, but I am one from New England, which is a heavy... Sports Town, how do you recommend I convince a group of people to not watch football on Sunday? How, how does tap dance compete with football?
4: Bring them to a show you think they'll enjoy or, or just show them something you think they'll enjoy. Don't show you, don't show them something you think they should
3: see.
7: Well, so this Maybe. is when come back to media. Right. If you're not in
4: a major city, Media is all you've got. Mm-hmm. Right, sure. I'm from New Hampshire, if so that's helpful. That's great. What yeah. so. <laughs> 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 <masks>. up? <laughs> um, but how you do it, is my question.
6: Chicken wings. Well, <laughs>
7: chicken.
6: There has to be bait. There has to be some sort of bait, you know. Um...
3: I will tell you George brought yes. Klaus to conservatory yes. 2002
7: 2003 Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, it was wonderful. I was there. It yeah. was
6: wonder- Yeah. yeah. Um, but of course, in order to appreciate something like what Kurt and Klaus have to offer, you already have to have people who kind of know what they're looking at. You know? um, well, halftime shows and things like that in the mainstream media are the ideal way to like throw a little nugget of something really really good and really really strong but you know when's that going to happen I I mean I I can remember uh Savion did a halftime show once with Stevie Wonder that was like eons ago Mm -hmm. but that I think was the only ever time that tap dancing was on a halftime show on football
0: i feel like Mm -hmm. if it were to happen people would riot though like let's say the next super bowl Mm -hmm. i do not follow football i don't care i don't know what year it's going to be but the next super bowl if there were like a tap dancer performing and let's say it weren't a particular person there
7: would be uproar and it would be like why are they the representative
6: right sure yeah yeah. maybe it
7: has to be that particular so i take my partner for example Mm who's involved in tap dance because i'm involved perfectly and my daughter's involved but he is interested in a kind of a base level, sort of, he has this interest and he enjoys it, but whatever. We were watching Estefania's videos last night from her her dance and her take on what she does and the music that she uses, which happens to be music he's interested in. And it's music that he relates to. And he therefore all of a sudden said, okay, wait a second this is something I didn't know I was interested in. So maybe I can stop watching the news for a minute and let's look and find another video. Okay, he doesn't watch football, but, you know, it's it's the same sort of thing. And so I think what you, for me, anyway, the approach, I think that's a, what you're saying is is exactly right. You have to somehow integrate it. And it maybe it's not exactly what the purists would say is the art form or the whatever else. It's like you, Claudia had friends who went to see you when you came and, or when, PN, you know, it's and it was like, Oh wait a second! But this the is, the is a
4: whole new thing. Then, yeah, that's
7: exactly right, down. and it might yeah. not be like you were saying. And I don't, I don't agree that it's not what the art form is, but maybe it's what p- some people might say. Oh, who, that's not, that's not what I would call tap dancing. Yeah. But it's the stepping stone that, and that's the kind of thing that I think we have to be more open to as a, as a community. Yeah. That people will have to say, hey, maybe we have to dance to different music. Maybe we have to put on a show for halftime that's interesting. That People might like that, you know, Beyonce singing to you and we're tap dancing too. You know, like that I don't know, maybe you have yeah. to approach that in a different way.
1: I I think for me <coughs> if I if I hear you right, you're like the the arc of the question is audience development to a yes. certain degree. Mm-hmm. Okay. My my process for audience development has been fishing. Right? You have a bunch of places where people gather. You have a bunch of tools as an artist. Um, you might have a bunch of different collaborators or like different interests in terms of the production of content. And you put as much as you believe is good from your side out. And you fish for who likes it. Such that... You start, to get, you start to get a reaction. Um, and then you, you fish again. And you keep that cycle going. Not every, not every artist is in that space, right? Some artists are, I do this thing. I sell this blue pen. If you want a blue pen, you come and see me. This will be the best blue pen that you will ever get. You don't have to right? Don't ask me for a black pen. do it. <laughs> yeah. Right? Other artists are like, I got a blue pen, I got a black pen, I got a purple pen, I got a pen with no cap. You want a pen with the cap or no cap? I got all kinds of pens. And I
6: got finger paints. Right. <laughs> and body paint.
1: Right. Like, whatever you want,
6: I got it. Right?
1: And I think, I think all of that is good for the craft in general. And if you're in a space where you're now trying to, you're like, you're on the front line and you're using artists' contact content as your bait, then you're like the radio disc jockey. Mm-hmm. And you're saying, all right, I've got a listenership that's maybe the 75 people or the 100 people that I know are on my block that watch the football on Sunday, right? What is going to be the thing that I could invite them to or get them to or bring to them that they would like the most? I have no idea what that answer is. But I think I think with as much stuff as is out there now, there could be a pretty hip playlist of things that as a survey... Somebody's bound to say, I really don't like that, but I like that. And that's that seems to be the start for me.
6: There's one thing that I distinctly will recommend not to do. It's one thing that I experienced with Roxanne once. Oh no. At the the uh, what was it called? The, that hotel on 32nd Street. Did you ever go to her jam? Yes. At, yeah, the Max Maxwell Lounge or something? Yes, 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 yeah. Maxwell Lounge. Yep. Uh, It was this little jazz club on the second floor of this hotel on 32nd Street in New York City. And uh, it was a really cool jam that Roxy had. And um, uh, Pina Bausch came by.
7: Oh, my God. Never heard of her. (laughs) Right? Eh, this is random. Pina who? Pina Uh,
6: But one time, it was the World Series, baseball, not football. Uh, And this joint had... Uh, you know, the tap floor was sort of like here, the bar was over there, oh, and God. people were sitting here, and there was a giant television oh, yeah. <laughs> overhead. And they put on the World Series game during the jam session. Excellent. And we were <laughs> dancing our butts off while the people were not watching us. Oh, no. That was one of the most awful experiences. Ever dancing in my tap box. dancing career to dance in front of and jam, you know, like mm-hmm. you're really trying to be in the moment, the, and you have a whole crowd of people who are looking over you and who are not even—they <laughs> you know, we'll don't not even e- know that you exist. Yeah.
4: <laughs> so, like, so, get me a beer. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
6: So, don't do that. Yeah. That will not draw in any additional crowd. <laughs> However. If you, so,
1: similar experience. Uh,
4: How could there be a similar experience? Similar experience.
1: <laughs> had a session at a, at a bar in Williamsburg. Teddy's, yes, Teddy's, yeah. Um, on, on North Berry Street. And the little stage is here. People over there, over there. The bar is right there. Behind the bar are three screens. The New York Knicks had made it to the NBA Finals. Mm-hmm. Whoa. The game is on. We hold the session until the game is done. So now, instead of starting at 8, we're starting at like 10. We've been there since (laughs) 8 (laughs) o'clock. The minute the game is over, the band hits, we start. Everybody turns around and starts watching. And we have a captive audience for the next two hours. Because they were happy? No, they weren't necessarily happy. I can't remember if they want... Say again? It wasn't
7: the game seven, I guess.
1: No, it wasn't the last game. It wasn't the last game. But it was an important game, and I can't remember if the Knicks won or lost the game. But I do remember, like, halftime happened, we played maybe like two songs, and then we're like, okay, it's over, the game's back on, everybody just turned around and watched. Okay, so
6: here's what I propose. We, at least in New York City, we get organized, we hit... Every sports single bar. sports bar in New York City with a tap, at least one tap dancer and like a two piece band on game day. Go, go, go. And we go, it'll be like a takeover. Yeah. yeah. Boom. And at, as soon as the game stops, it's. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. You can tap that. To the sure,
1: sure, yes. Yeah. Because it's, it's a thing, man, it's like audiences are audiences and they will enjoy what it is that we do if mm. they're already there. Right, that's true. Right? So if the game brought them, that's fine with me.
6: I don't mind. <laughs> I don't mind. <laughs> or you go, you know, we, we organize all our students to tap dance on the street outside the stadium. Yeah, yeah sure. You know, while they're tailgating or something. <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, tailgating is, it's a party, so if you join the party with some music and some tab dancing, they'll be paying attention. They'll be gnawing on their chicken leg. And, I never saw tailgating on the States, and
0: I was like, I'm seeing more people outside thing. playing cornhole than I've ever seen <laughs> anywhere in Canada yeah. at one point in time, ever.
6: Yeah, that's
0: the thing. Yeah. <laughs> Does anyone have any other questions before we wrap up?
6: Wrapping up, I thought we just got
0: started. No, 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 no. Yeah. We, can, we can keep
3: going. Oh, Please. Nice. Okay. Um, people have, can share choreography online a lot easier now. Like, all over the world you can see it. So I wanted to th- ask how maybe that's changed what you share or people's personal styles of what you've seen growing up because they can be influenced by people around the world a lot easier and take inspiration easier? I don't know. Totally. Or have that changed? Or have you seen
1: the shifts before? So I had a dance company in New York City for 10 years. Um, 10 years starting in 2005. 2005, 4, 5, 6 was like when YouTube started. 3, 4, 5, 6, somewhere around there. And I made the, what I think now is probably the incorrect choice of not sharing any full pieces online. We would cut trailers, post the trailer, but there is no clip of anything that Cats Paying did online that's a full piece. Mm -hmm. Um, Or even like a minute of here's a thing. Um, Because I came from that world Mm -hmm. of, get the video cameras out. Mm -hmm. You see a red dot, you tell the stage manager, they tell the usher, the usher comes down and that camera's off. Um right. I'm
5: like, <laughs> yeah. Like, dude. like, what like when
1: when yeah. we did improvography with Savion at the Joyce?
5: Yeah.
1: Like if we saw a red dot in the audience, we told the SM, <coughs> they told the house manager, the usher came down
6: and that camera was cut off.
4: I don't even see faces. Yeah.
6: I, I do I, I do <laughs> that now in my show at Carmen to Havana and back. Yeah. In the venue yeah we don't we tell people not to use their cell phones because they're supposed to be in Havana in 1950
0: uh, <laughs> yeah, and Love we're it. trying to go. have
6: them we're trying to help them have an experience that they are actually experiencing <laughs> not through the screen <laughs> yeah. Imagine that. and it's it's very difficult and there are like seven or eight of us <laughs> who are constantly going to people like it's not allowed. You're not allowed yeah. to film. Yeah. Please put your camera down. <laughs>
4: yeah. It's my you guys. Very hard. It's, very no yeah. very <laughs> yeah. it's very hard. Very difficult. Very <laughs> difficult.
1: So I think, in, in terms of sharing, that was that was my experience then. Now I'm now like you try and make a project so that it can go online, mm-hmm. right? At least part of it or something. You make a music video. Or even the process
0: needs to be shared. I find increasingly it's like it used to be about the product. Like we're going to work on the show. We're going to produce the show. You're going to go see the show. Whereas now it's like here's us behind the scenes doing this. And now I'm driving to pick up this and that. And I know that I don't make the personal choice to do that. I'm just a private person. But I think that a lot of people do see success. I remember when you came to uh, Jam Camp a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And with the Q&A with the kids. You were saying like you use social media as a tool it can be a tool, right? And it can be a very um, difficult thing to navigate.
4: Yeah. Um, it's encouraged with a lot of jobs actually, like it's somewhere in a contract where yes. I've signed, you have to post a certain amount about this event, you have to show uh, the fans, some of like the the behind the scenes, It's 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 part of the marketing with a lot of stuff that I've done and it's a part of your personal marketing which is a little unfortunate but I don't, unfortunately, see it as a negative thing. I enjoy like sharing the the process and that, but I think some people feel the should. I should post more, I should show people more. But it doesn't feel like a job, but I do have to be careful. You have to be on the in. You have to, mm-hmm. it, it's scary to share too much. Sometimes I put videos on mute because I want the music to be special in that moment of the show, or I think sometimes people see a trailer and that's enough, they don't need to go to the show. Mm-hmm. And that's why no one's coming to shows, because they can just see enough online. And we're, mm-hmm. we're, I don't know. I'm shocked that some of these amazing people I go see, I'm like, why is no one here? Like, they're famous. Everyone's on Netflix. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's an effort to get to shows. It's money and effort and time. And I don't know.
3: I guess that question came from too, like, stealing steps. I forgot to say that. Mm-hmm. Like Stealing steps was such a huge thing. You would have to go to shows to see them, or go to a show twice, but people would change everything they did so that people couldn't steal the steps. But now it's super easy <laughs> too. YouTube was like slow. Remember when
4: you knew every clip that existed of one person, you kept looking up, and I'd yeah. type in their name the next day and be like, maybe there'll be one more. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like with me. Michelle yeah. Doran, I'd be like, there's got to be a new one. Like, and I had them memorized, and then all of a sudden it was just like, 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 like there's a video of you that I that Waldorf.
5: Yeah. Those were
4: my favorite clips, and like I could hear Sarah and Jason in the back commenting on everything, like, And then, but then everything just exploded, and I got overwhelmed and. Young people are overwhelmed, and it's just like YouTube is to terrifying. Media everywhere. Oh my god! But stealing, stealing steps. Maybe people can.
1: Yeah. I've I've seen. I think in a certain slice of the journey, there's a flattening, of like everybody's dancing almost the same kind of sort of, and then (laughs) once you get out of that slice of the journey, then it's like voices. There are like tons (laughs) of different voices, and. I don't know how people are getting through or out, <laughs> but, um, but I have to believe that what people are watching and the place that they go to get stuff has to do with this flattening, right? And it's like, if there is a viral clip, then that's what everybody's looking at and that's what everybody's trying to grab. Um, and that, just, that never existed when I was coming up. Like you had the person that you chased around, mm-hmm.
5: Right. Mm-hmm.
1: literally. Yeah. I mean, thank God for my parents. We put two hundred and ten thousand miles on our car in two years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of driving mm-hmm. that my dad did, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> as I slept in the back seat. <laughs> right? um, That's love. Yeah. Yeah, 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 chase chasing the people so that I could see them mm-hmm. and be in the spaces. Um, and have like vague recollections of what it was like to be three feet away from Slide when he was dancing. Mm-hmm. Um, that, I think that thing is harder to find and so the, the easier thing to find is whatever's online. Right, and that whatever's online tends to be whatever's happening now. Right? You have more content from now than you have from any time before. And so the way the algorithms work is that they're going to find you the thing that's most relevant but more intense than the clip that you're watching. Right? So longer or um, with more likes or which is why there's studies that's been done in terms of how YouTube radicalizes people mm-hmm. because if you go and you watch a clip around some hot topic the stuff that goes in the recommended are clips that are more radical, like more intense than the clip that you're watching about that topic. So if it's like gun violence survey, over here is like actual videos of gun violence,
5: mm-hmm.
1: right? So if you're looking at tap dancing, you're gonna find the longer clips or you're gonna find the things that are more engaging, Have Operated with more engagement. And that's going to be more modern stuff. It's not going to be older. Um, So I think that goes back to if people are engaged, finding the thing that will get you to the thing. So Tap Legacy Foundation online, we have a list of names of tap dancers. Because when I used to sit with old cats, that's what I got. They're like do you know about this person this person this person oh this person lived in New York with this person and this person danced with this person in Philly after they left New York you're and you're like all these people <laughs> right and there wasn't a place to go look them up right so you'd go to the next old cat and you're like do you know these people can you tell me about? I have a list right um, we used to we used to have like boxes of pictures that we would wait for Brownie to be in town and be like, can you tell us who's in this picture? Mm. Um, Because nobody else knew. And so having that first point of entry to say, oh, Lois Bright, Google, what's out there? I don't know. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Most likely. But if it's not Google, then where are the other resources? Because every single database of every public library is open source which means it's online and it's free to access. So you can find out where the stuff is, then you plan your trip,
5: mm-hmm.
1: right? And you do the trip once <laughs> and you get all the stuff, right? But you can do all the planning ahead of time and you can access academic like academic resources online too. So there's, there's tons of ways to get in. You can't get to the BBC library without going to the BBC. Right. So you might have to call the BBC and be like, look, I heard John Bubbles was on this show. Do you have the reel? And they'd be like, yes, we have the reel. Can I see the reel? When are you going to be in London? (laughs) Right? And then you go to the BBC and they pull out this, you know, 16 millimeter or whatever. And you sit there for an hour watching three minutes. Over and over and over. Because that's the only hour you're going to get and you can't copy it. Yeah.
0: It sounds like there's a need for some sort of centralized resource for, I mean, there's the list of names and maybe there needs to be some sort of resource for young dancers or people that need to be more informed or want to be more informed. Like, where do I find this stuff? Because, well, there's, yes.
6: There's one person besides Andrew who has done, you know, the more, more <laughs> research than anybody I know Two people. And they have more information than anybody realizes in this country. Let's get the you have drawn. no idea. Kurt, mm-hmm. Kurt Albert, yeah. and Klaus Bleis in Germany. Mm-hmm. They have done more research than any living being on tap dancing. Yeah. Trust me. They have so much information. I've seen it in Vienna. A few years ago, we did a 100th birthday celebration for Carnell Lyons, my mentor, who was also the mentor of Kurt and Klaus. The stuff they put out there like photos like you have, yeah, yeah? like an entire gallery full, film clips that no one, and I mean no one, has ever seen. They have more information than anybody on tap dancing. Because they went, they went and did exactly what Andrew just said. Mm -hmm. They went to every, they they had a list from Carnell, personally, uh, of all the places that he had been, And then they went and they researched and they started piecing together, like, his entire life. They knew more, they know more about Carnell than Carnell knew about Carnell. (laughs) (laughs) Like literally, you know, stuff that Carnell had forgotten. These two guys have put put together his entire life. They also know a ton about Buster Brown Mm -hmm. because they went to every single town, and I'm not kidding, every single town that they could find out that carnell had gone in his entire career they went to the town <laughs> physically they went to the town they went to the library they went to the newspapers mm-hmm. and they found the clip about carnell Lyons. yeah your yeah.
0: dad that's love whatever that is is obsession yes <laughs> oh for, and oh, a, for and sure a, the fact that for there was sure. that level of obsession oh, yeah. and that level of organization Absolutely. like what a great resource yes you know yes. for the future generation yes. a lot of people oh, don't God. even know yeah 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 no <laughs> I'm know? telling you every <laughs> single yeah. New
6: York tap dancer would totally lose their. oh yeah if they saw what putting and Klaus have.
0: so we should tell them instead of yeah. getting mad yeah. not that anyone no, here no. does but no, no, instead no. of getting the pushback of you're yeah. ignorant you don't know what you don't know yeah, yeah. like making it accessible yeah. teaching taking it yeah. as a learning opportunity instead yeah. of a conflict and yeah. like you don't even know
1: Well, and so the reason that I co-founded the Tap Legacy Foundation with Gregory Hines in 2002 is because I was sitting around with tap dancers for the first time in my life on a consistent basis, and that conversation kept coming up. Mm -hmm. I was in tie-dye. We were doing shows. People were mad that audiences didn't know about what we were doing. And I'm like, well, where are they going to go and find out? Nobody's going to go to the Lincoln Center Performing Arts Library just for the fun of it and like look up Steve Kondo's. Mm -hmm. Right. right? (laughs) Random audience member who's buying tickets because they want to come and see tap dancing. Mm -hmm. Right. So unless there's like an intuitive learning environment that allows people to explore the craft in the same way that we have had an opportunity to in real life, um, but in a way that's like, oh, this is fun. Right. It's not going to happen. So somebody has to build it.
6: The science museum for tap dancing. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: That'd be
6: fun. I mean, that's the there's goal. There's a
0: business idea for like, <laughs> someone listening to this, you know, someone in the room. Like, you know, so there's space for these sorts of innovations.
1: I mean, we're, we're about, oh, I hate putting a date on this, but we're about, well, I'll say it, we're about three months away from an alpha release of a digital archive. Mm. So an open platform that would allow people to consolidate all the material that we have around the world mm-hmm. um, and actually cross-reference everything. Mm-hmm. So if somebody types in Carnell Lyons, it's like all Curtain Cloud stuff, at least the list of it right. will come up. Yeah. And if there's a, an article that lists Carnell with the other businessmen of Rhythm right, right. or with Buster because right. they happen to be in the same mm. town, then all of Buster stuff. So Calling like it IMDB, yeah, Wikipedia, yeah,
0: right. tap dance specific. Putting
1: everybody in, in relation with each other. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because relationships is what actually makes it like
6: come to life. Right, exactly.
0: That's the glue. Yeah. Yeah.
6: Make it real, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or as close to real or what it really was as we can get.
1: Because at some point it's gonna connect to who's dancing now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? And then it's then it's real. Like, then it's really real. Then it's like, oh, I can come to a show and ask you about this dude because I know you were in the same space with them. I want that question. Like, I want to come out of the show and somebody goes, I knew you were at Swing 46, what was that like? Mm-hmm. Right, more than, I love what you did at the show.
0: Or versus you <laughs> having to be like, you know, I'm pretty cool and I've got all this experience you should ask me about. Like, it's a lot nicer when someone kind of has some sort of base and can engage. And yeah. I think that's the maybe the disappointing thing sometimes is there isn't the base of knowledge.
6: Right, exactly. Yeah. Well, it's it's not part <laughs> of you know, it's not part of the public mainstream canon of information. That's the essential problem, mm-hmm. you know. <clears throat> people grow up especially here or not here in the US, I should say, uh with with a level of information that is preposterously low and I mean like in general about the world and everything yeah um and the information about tap dancing is like non-existent yeah people you know kids nowadays don't even learn who Louis Armstrong is so then what do you expect the rest to be right you know uh so that's the that's the beginning of the problem um but somebody creating a resource or and a somewhat entertaining information center or museum that actually can attract people to go into a space and experience interactively some information about our art form and walk out knowing more about it and having had a good time at on top of it uh that's I think, something that we should strive for. And clearly, you know, he's working on it. And yes. We'll, you know, I, I do what I can. To, I kick Kurt and Klaus every time I talk to them to come to New York and share this stuff, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but they're also, you know, the struggling artists, so they, you know, they can't afford to bring all this stuff with them because it's like physical stuff that they have to bring. You know, these photos and literal film footage. They, they had actual film projectors in Vienna so you we're know? going
0: to Europe is what we're saying yeah, yeah. we're getting a plane yeah. for everybody here and we're going to go check it
6: out <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean it, this goes hand in hand with the world tap kind of approach mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know it's the same in music uh, there there wouldn't be hardly any information on the art form of jazz music if it weren't for European music we were talking about this yesterday if it weren't for, for European music music shows where you'd have like two hours full of live jazz yeah, with the Kenny Clark, Francis Boulon big band on Italian, Italian television or on the BBC or on the German TV. We wouldn't have the amazing clip of, of uh, uh, Jimmy Sly, Buster Brown and, and, and Chuck Green and Baby Lawrence if it weren't for German t- TV. Because in America, nobody cared, you know? That was already over. It was just all rock and roll, mm. you know? So that's really important to acknowledge and to go look and go engage with the people or this guy in Japan, you know, who has devoted his life to figuring out the history of Japanese tap dancing, which is like, so amazing. What an unbelievable purpose, you know, how beautiful is that? Um, So, you know, that's our responsibility to make the connections, find out and say, hey, let's, can we connect this thread with this thread mm-hmm. so that eventually we have a multicolored, beautiful rope of all this information that the audience or the public can then pull on. And here it is.
0: Thank you, Andrew, Max, Danny, and Demi for a great conversation. Thank you to Screen Dance Forum and Dance Cinema for producing, and thank you to Vancouver Tap Dance Society for hosting us. If you enjoyed this episode, let us know by leaving a review, engaging with us on Instagram at frameformpod, or sending us an email at frameformpodcast at gmail.com. Frameform is a production of Rixie, hosted by me, Hannah Weber, Claire Schweitzer, and Jen Wright. Edited and mixed by myself and Mason
4: Carlton. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.